Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing a message today in the new series that I've entitled, What is Christmas? This will be the second in the series. The first was, His Name Shall Be Called Jesus. This one I am entitling, For We Saw His Star in the East. I want to take a look at that star. I find it very interesting and fascinating. And I know in order to do this, I must go to either Matthew or Luke for the Christmas story, what we call the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. And I want to look at Matthew today, Matthew chapter 2. And I'll give you the context for this as we jump right into this. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. There's only two verses, and I may give you some more a few minutes later. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the Word of God reads, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying... In fact, the original language says they kept on saying, kept on asking. Verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So I lifted out of that, that portion right there, uh, for we saw his star in the east, and that is my title. I want to look at this, and the reason is it's a very fascinating thing to look at this. And I know that uh, it, it's, I have to give a little context for this. So the theme of the New Testament, as you know, is Jesus Christ. He is the theme of the New Testament. We have four Gospels, uh, Matthew, and they write from different perspectives and different personalities in a very unique way. Matthew is writing, and from his perspective, he is writing to present Christ as sovereign who comes to reign and to rule. Uh, Luke, for example, is writing the Son of Man who comes to share and to uh, sympathize. Mark is the servant, uh, writing as a servant who comes to serve. And, of course, John is presenting him as Son of God who's come to reveal and to redeem And so with these in mind, we know that Matthew, which is where we're at today reading, uh, presents Jesus Christ as king, as sovereign. Everything in Matthew focuses on his majesty, his sovereignty, his great personage as a ruler, one who has the right to reign, the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised king. And so he gives us information related to that. And that helps us understand. So even from the very opening in chapter 1, we see that he gives the key in chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so he's pointing it directly back to that of a king. And so we have established that he is king by lineage in chapter 1 of Matthew, which we don't have time to go over all of that, obviously. But in chapter 2, Matthew reemphasizes that he is a king in terms of the fact that certain people uh, will honor him or pay him homage as a king. And if he is a king, which he is, Matthew is saying to us, it ought to be evident by his genealogy, which is chapter 1. That's why he gave it to us. It has to be, or he has to be the child of kings, which he's given there. He is a king. It ought to be evident by the way people respond to him. So in chapter 2, Matthew tells us the story of certain wise men who came to proclaim that Jesus was indeed a king and to bow at his feet and to worship him as king. That's basically what we have in Matthew chapter 2 is the presentation of these wise men coming to honor and pay homage to him. Now again, Matthew's emphasis is he is king by virtue of his genealogy. He is king by virtue 
of the royal majesty that was displayed and accepted and honored and revealed by the work and the effort of the wise men bringing certain gifts. That's very important to understand that, and that's why I like to to bring that out. So we, we, we move along here, and we see that there are certain wise men and they're, they're called Magi here. And just a brief word about them. And we'll, we'll be learning much more about them in these coming messages uh, in related to this series, What is Christmas? But the Magi, you remember, I, I think I told you several times on different occasions, uh, that really this word is an untranslatable word that has reference to certain uh, priest line of the Medes and the Persians. So basically the Medes. Apparently the Medes, but through the years, has risen to a place of great prominence in the kingdom of Persia. Uh, the Median kingdom and the Babylonian kingdom as well. So it became synonymous in many ways with being a wise man. Uh, now this is just a, just a little summary or a snapshot of them. To be a Magi, which we look at these Magi coming here to visit, uh, was to have a place of the wise men in a society. So there came these magi from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he uh, who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Well, that, that's an interesting thing in itself is that these kings have been told this. Uh, how did they get this information? Well, they have been told this information and they have been given this information, so they have been through the years looking for this information to come to them. Now, uh, they, where did they get it? Well, they probably got it from uh, the, the Babylonian captivity when Daniel was there. Daniel was, you know, head of the, the wise men. Uh, we know that from looking at the, the Daniel chapter 5, for example. We see information there related to that. And so it becomes very important that we uh, understand something about these wise men, but not at this point. I want to give you that later. I want to jump right into this. Uh, the Magi, uh, like I said, is based on information from Daniel and other, other information that they had received from the Jews who were now living in their land since the captivity and based on their own sense of faith in the true God and based on their own expectation that God would fulfill His word and based upon what they saw in the sky, which is called a star here, they came to Jerusalem. And so they're coming because these are kingmakers. These are people that are high up. They are very well established. They're very well recognized. There's an anticipation of him. These are Gentiles coming to acknowledge a Jewish king. Interesting in itself, and we'll look at much more about that later. Now, many people say there's three of these. Well... We don't know. We know that there probably wasn't anywhere near three. There was many, many more than this. In fact, the, the information we have from Daniel, the information we have from other writings at the time tell us that there were probably anywhere from 10 to 15 wise men. How it got translated to three, who knows? Uh, but uh, we also know through passed down that... Uh, some people in their writings give us their, their their three, and they give us their names, saying they were from India, Egypt, and Greece, and subsequently where they were baptized by Thomas, their bones were up in some church for for display. None of that's true. Not, we really don't know much about them. We don't know their number, and we don't know 
who, who all there were, or we definitely don't have their names, and we don't, definitely don't know, have anything after this moment. So, there's a lot of fantasy built into this. You see Christmas cards with three wise men riding a camel and a big star right above their head, leading them the way. But we don't know much there at all. We don't know their names. We don't know. This. It's all speculation. But they had a reason for coming. Verse 2 says, and apparently by the Greek construction here, they were saying all over the place, they kept on saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They kept on asking, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, it must have shocked them every time they had to ask that question because here they are uh, in, in Bethlehem, and it seemed like if this is really the birth of a king, everyone would know it. And they keep having to ask, and it seems as though no one knows anything. After all, they were Jews. Certainly they would know their own king and that the king was born. But there's two things hit me. Very interesting here. I don't know if I'm going to have time for both of them. But one is this star. I was watching the presentation the other night on television it was uh, hosted by and narrated by David Jeremiah. I like David Jeremiah. He's good. He has, does a lot of prophetic work. And he narrates it. It's called The Nativity. It's brand new this season. And I enjoyed watching it. And there was a scene in there where the disciples, in fact, it's actually I'm going to mention that in just a minute, Luke chapter 2, verse 9, where the, uh, not disciples, but the, the shepherds were in the field and suddenly this light appears this glory appears, and then we, we have this, this uh, speaking to them. The angel is there speaking, and, and then it goes away, and then the, the shepherds run into Bethlehem looking for this uh, baby or this king that has been born. And that got me to thinking, what was the nature of that star? Well, we've seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. What, what was the nature of the star? I, you know, I, I tend to look at scripture like this sometimes. and I get involved sometimes in the little bitty details. Uh, and you can read and read and read about this. And Some people say it was a genuine, real, bona fide, uh, honest-to-goodness star, as I've read several times. Some say it was Jupiter. Some say it was Jupiter. Uh, aligned so there was a perfect uh, alignment of the stars and the planets and it created a low hanging uh, star that was shining bright and it even formed the sign of the fish some say it was just a comet some say it was a meteorite shooting across the sky very low some say it was the star of destiny in the heart of mankind some say it was really just a glow in men's minds it was not really a star at all well, that's no real answer, but I do want to look at this star, and I think in order to do that, I want to go to Luke chapter 2, verse 9. I mentioned this verse, and uh, I want to just read that for you. Luke chapter 2, verse, verse 9. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came on them. The glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were very much afraid. Well, I guess so. It's dark, dark. There's no. There's probably a fire going. That's, that's what was the scene in this uh, movie I saw the other night. It was very real about this, and it made me think about this. But what was shining in the sky when the shepherds saw it? What was this that got their attention? 
It was the glory of the Lord. If you go back in the Old Testament and you study the concept of the glory of God, you will find that the glory of God is manifested as light. We see that. In fact, if we had time, we could trace that all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Over and over again in the Old Testament, the glory of God is manifested as light. God radiates His presence. He transforms uh, his, his, the, the, what He wants you to see as, as, form, as, as far as a glow or a light about them. When the glory of God appeared in the daytime, we know from the people fleeing Egypt that it was like a, a cloud or a pillar of light by day. And when it appeared at night, it was a pillar of fire at night. And so we, we see that and we know that that is the glory of the Lord and that was manifested to the, the nation of Israel during the time of the wilderness wanderings. But when the glory, of God, the glory of God descended on the tabernacle, it was light. When Moses went up in the mountain and he asked God to show me your glory, God hit him in a cleft of the rock and showed him the glory as it passed by. It was so much light that he had to hide his face and so when, and then coming down from the mountain of receiving the Ten Commandments, his face was lit up. The glory of God is a blazing light. When Jesus revealed who he was, uh, you, I don't know if you, I, you probably remember the Mount of Transfiguration. When Peter, James, and John were there, and he just transfigured right in front of their eyes, it was a blazing, bright, white light. Jesus revealed who he was, and he revealed his glory on that mountain. In other words, I, it's like one writer said, he literally pulled back his flesh, and they beheld what? Well, they beheld his glory. His glory was transparent light. And when Jesus comes the second time out of heaven, he will come in blazing light. Uh, we find in the book of Revelation, God will turn out the lights of heaven. I mean, it will be pitch black throughout the universe and, and the, the earth. All the stars will fall, the sun and the moon. Everything goes pitch black, and it rolls up like a scroll. And then when it is pitch black, then Christ comes revealed as blazing light. And people cry out and hide from this because it is so, it's such a shocking scene. It's such a blazing bright light. Now, all of that just to remind you that God's glory is manifested in Scripture as light. We're not surprised by that. We understand that. He told Moses he could not look upon his face and live. He'd be consumed. It would be, uh, it would be like standing ten feet from the sun. Well, you couldn't do that. The flesh couldn't do it. Although it would be like a million, million suns, and I believe that was, that was the glory of the Lord shown in the night when God's glory was descending into the earth. It was God's glory descending on the earth, coming in the form of man. And I believe that glory of God is the thing that the wise men saw. The shepherds saw it, and I think the, the wise men saw it. Now, let me just give you a little bit more support on this because I think it's interesting to trace this. And it's definitely food for thought this week. Uh, and, and next week is, is Christmas is right here on us. If you see a, a Christmas car with the, the, the three uh, magi coming on their camels and a big star right above them, or as you watch any Christmas thing or postcards or any, any letters or anything you see, think about this as you see this. Now, the chief word in the Old Testament, and the Hebrew word for star is a word. Uh, it's called kokab. 
Uh, now that's important, uh, not the, the pronunciation of the word, but it's in the Hebrew and the Greek. It has a basic meaning, and its basic meaning is to shine or to blaze forth. To shine or to blaze forth. Now sometimes that word is used of a real star. So I have to give you that right up front. It can be used for a real star. Sometimes it's used to speak of just a regular star. Sometimes it's used to speak of an angel. Sometimes it's used to speak of men. So it doesn't necessarily always mean a real star. It can mean anything that blazes, anything that shines in an incredible way. And I think we've seen this in, throughout the Scripture. Uh, in Numbers chapter 24, 17, uh, we see that uh, in, in 24, 17, it says that it uses that very same word in the Hebrew, which that word is actually Hebrew. Now, there's a Greek equivalent, which we'll get into later. But it means in, in 24.17 that there is a blazing forth. There will come a shining one. There will come a star. And people, I believe, the prophecy there is none other than the glory of God incarnate is the star. He is the blazing. That's found in Numbers 24.17. It actually says... I shall behold him, but not near. Now listen, there shall come out of Jacob a scepter which will rise out of Egypt. And this is what he's talking about. Now, Matthew chapter 24, I want to show you something else. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, instead of trying to go all the way through it, we'll just go over to verse 30, and it says immediately after the tribulation, in verse 29, it says, after the, the sun was darkened and the moon doesn't give its light, uh, and this is what I mentioned a while ago, all the stars will fall out of heaven, everything goes black, and then verse 30, then shall appear, now watch this, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. Well, what is that sign? Now mark that phrase out. The sign of the Son of Man. In other words, wherever, whenever the Son of Man is about to show up, there will be a sign pointing to him. Do you know what the sign is for him? The sign is to point you to something you, that you will want to see. Uh, you see a sign on the road that tells you this place, that's wanting you to see that. Its purpose is to point you to something. The Son of Man has a sign. The sign of the Son of Man in, in heaven, and this is, I think it's interesting, the sign is in heaven, and what... What is it that they shall see? The Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Here is his blazing forth. That's that same word used there. And though this, although this word, the Hebrew word, is not used in the New Testament, it's the same idea. I believe this sign of the Son of Man is nothing more and nothing less than the Shekinah glory of God. And I think that is the sign. God revealing himself... In glorious light. In fact, it even tells us in Revelation 1.16 that the sun shines. Uh, the Son of God shines as if he were the, were the sun in its full strength. Now, I'm getting to a point. This, I think, is all what we see here. Somehow, now watch this. Somehow, connected to Jesus Christ is this incredible, blazing glory of God. It is his sign in the heavens. He is spirit he is a spirit being. He is also, in a sense, a physical being in a glorified body that has from his that he has from his resurrection. But there is a sign that goes with him, and it is a blazing glory. And one day on the mount, 
He showed it to his disciples. And we talked about that. That's the Mount of Transfiguration. And one day when he returns, the sign of the Son of Man, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven will be that blazing glory. And what God does is he turns out the lights of heavens so you will see it. Those who are there will see it. Now, I tell you, the same sign the first time he came to. In other words, that is his second coming sign. But I think it was the same when he came the first time. The sign of the Son of Man is in heaven is not a star. Oh, I know I hate to say that because so many people are going to get upset with me. But it's not your planet. It's not a star in that sense. It's not conjunction of planets. It's not thoughts of human destiny. But it says in verse 2 of Matthew, We have seen his star. His blazing glory. Incidentally, people, the word translated star here, it's used of other things as star. So he has his own, and again, it means a blazing forth or shining. It matches up with the Hebrew phrase of this. We have seen his shining star in the east. Or not, not shining star. We have seen his shining in the east. We have seen this blazing forth, his glory, the very fact that it is his star means it is something very special. I think when it says his star, it's not related to a his planet or his uh, meteor or something in the sky up there. It's related to his own blazing glory. It has appeared. That's an interesting word. Uh, we have seen his star in the east is what the verse says. His star... Uh, I want you to know the time, and actually in Matthew chapter 2, verse 7, it says this, Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time that the star appeared. Well, that, that's an interesting thing. Uh, I want to know the time the star appeared. Now, the word in the Greek, which means that which lights up, when the time was that it lit up. In other words, what was the time that you saw this lighting up. The same word, though, is used with lightning. Lightning is from the same word that's used here in this verse. And sometimes it's translated as a star in the sky, and sometimes it's translated as lightning. You can see, sometimes it gets confusing with these words, but if you do a study on the way these same words are used in different places, it begins to bring forth, I think, a little light. Sometimes the shining forth of something. Here is the shining forth. We can't push it any further. We can't make it mean a real star, even though some people think it is a real star. But you even think about that. How could a real star come and stand right over where someone is, like verse 9 of Matthew chapter 2 says? And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star. And when they had seen, the one they had seen in the east, went on before them, until it came and stood over where the child was. Well, you think, how can a star do that? You look up at the stars in the sky. Can a star light a path down here on earth and, and, and be so focused in on one individual? Well, I guess it could if God wanted it to be there, but I don't think that's what this passage is saying. Uh, we can't make it mean a real star and there in a sense in which Herod says 
when did this particular shining forth light up is what he's actually saying. And even that is sort of a hint that it was something that has never existed, was called into existence only because Jesus was coming, only because this is his birth, and there is a revelation attached to it. And so I believe this was a a blazing forth, and it's a sign of the Son of Man in heaven. It was his first coming, and I believe it's going to be the same at his second coming. It is his sign. It is his star it is not some asteroidal body. body. Now, uh, the, these magi would see this. They weren't looking in their. Uh, they weren't looking in the stars in the sense of studying them to figure out what kind of an alignment this was. They weren't trying to figure out what kind of a, a meteor this was or how close it was, uh, as we have seen in, through uh, history. Some people do ascribe this to Saturn or Jupiter. But when they saw something they had never seen before in this star, in this glowing, they knew that it had to be something unique. I think what they saw here, now they're used to studying stars. This was different. This was something unique, and they tied it together with the Old Testament prophecies that they had been taught earlier from, as we said, Daniel in the Babylonian captivity. Daniel had told them, Research gave them direction. God revealed himself to make sure they could be in on this. Now, it's no different than the pillar of fire in the Old Testament. Remember the pillar of fire and the cloud that stood over the Holy of Holies? Well, in this, it tells us that whatever this star was, it went and stood over the house where he was born. Now, now, there again, that's Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 9. Now, you tell me how a literal star or meteor, or asteroid, could do that. It can't do it. It's none other than the sign of the Son of Man. I tell you, yeah, I really and truly believe it was the glory, the Shekinah glory of God. It was a blazing, magnificent glory of Christ, as one writer puts, in heavens. How could only the wise men over there in Persia and no one else even see the star if it was up in the sky like we have been led to believe. Well, I think that's a fair question. The second observation I have is, how could God be so selective? Well, you know, there's nothing new for God. Uh, He can make everybody in the world blind to something if he wants to. In Exodus chapter 14, uh, there's a good parallel to this. The angel of the God who went before the camp in Israel removed uh, and went behind them. You remember the angel was leading them or the pillar of fire? And they were going through the Red Sea. So the angel comes around and gets in the back of it. You say, what, to push? No. The pillar of cloud here is the glory of God. The pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Now behind the Israelites, you've got the pillar of cloud, God's glory. And you've got the angel of the Lord. And who's the angel of the Lord? Well, it's Jesus Christ himself. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them and gave light to Israel, so that the one came not near the other all night long. Boy, that is amazing kind of information. You know what happened? Israel saw it as light. Pharaoh and his army saw it as darkness. So the same pillar of fire that was lighting Israel 
and giving them protection and light was darkness to someone else. That's how God can be so selective in this. And it was the same thing. There was something about God revealing what he wants to reveal just to those whom he wants to reveal it. And that's all I can say about that. How did they connect it with Jesus' birth? Well, I don't know. I really don't know except that God made it so obvious that they knew what they were looking for. Now, you want to know something that's very fascinating, people? Is It might mess up your Christmas story next year, but do you know that nowhere in the Bible does it ever say they followed the star to Bethlehem from Persia? Nope. It doesn't say it led them to Jerusalem. It doesn't say it went anywhere. Not at all. We have seen his star. Where did they see his star? Well, according to Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, they saw the star in the east, and it didn't need to tell them where to go. They knew where the Jewish Messiah was supposed to be because of uh, pass-me-down oral tradition. They knew the royal city was Jerusalem already. They knew that there were all Jewish kings reigning there. They knew exactly where to go. They didn't need a star to guide them. But yet they saw something. And what they saw was his glory. God made it evident to them. They saw the glory of the Lord revealed to them. They went to the right place. Matthew doesn't give us all the bits and pieces of this. But they said, we have seen a star in the east. And for what purpose? They came to worship him. They knew that he was to be worshipped. To worship him. They knew there was no one else to see they knew that he was worthy of the worship, and so that is what they were there to do. Well, I hope this has been interesting. It's just a little thing on the Shekinah glory of God, the glory. So when you see the or hear the Christmas story, think about this. That star that is really a blazing forth of the glory, they didn't know what to call it. It's something that was unique they had never seen before. Remember this, it was God's Shekinah glory lighting up and revealing that this was a special, unique birth and person, the incarnate Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. So think about that this Christmas. Uh, think about the significance of this. God is going to accomplish His purpose. If He wants to reveal to one group, Something, he can do it. He can do exactly as he wants to do, whenever he wants to do it, to whomever he wants to do it. It is an incredible Christmas story. May your Christmas story this holiday be a little bit different. Thank you again for joining me. And again, this is William Rogers thanking you for tuning in to Hope for the Heart. As the second uh, message in this series, What is Christmas? And when, you, when I finish this, you'll be able to put all this together and we'll have perhaps a better understanding of Christmas. Thank you for joining us.